From creation to the flood to the patriarchs to Egypt, join me, Pastor Hook, as we go through Genesis, the backstory to the beginning. Spend a whole lot of time on that. We're going to go into the study of Genesis because I really want to spend a little bit more time on this whole thing about Jacob and Esau. Because as I've mentioned previously, a couple things. One is Jacob is the guy. Um, he is the second born son, but he grabbed the heel of his brother because uh, he wanted to go out first. He's a very ambitious guy and uh, his mother is wants his him to be ambitious. He's obviously extremely conniving, cunning, smart, um, sneaky, I guess you could say, uh, which is a family trait because Isaac was sneaky and, and grandfather Abraham was sneaky. Um, so it doesn't go out of the family too bad. I mean, it stays in the family. And um, so that's Jacob. Esau loves to go out and hunt. That's all he cares about is being outside. He doesn't care about his birthright. He doesn't care about his blessing. Well, he does care about the blessing. But it's just, it's, he's a different person. And he's not the one that should be leading the family, uh, even though he's got lots of gifts. Um, Rebecca has determined he's probably not the one that should lead the family. Now, and we may get into that a little bit because anybody can lead. You just have to know what your strengths and your weaknesses are. And then you have to play to your strengths and you have to overcome your weaknesses. And um, that's, a, that's something that every parent should instill upon their children. It's what every grandparent should still instill upon their grandchildren. Um, whatever gifts God has given you, uh, all, all he asks you to do or all we can do is leverage those gifts to the best of our ability and do uh, you know, the work that he's called us to do. And that includes if he's called you to leadership, then leverage your leadership gifts and the skills that he's given you and, and supplement with the gifts that he hasn't given you. But, and you can supplement that with people or you can supplement that with training to try to overcome those gifts. I mean, there's lots of things you can do. And the older you get, I think you learn you know, your weaknesses and, and your strengths and you get more comfortable with them. And then you know, a really wise person would really spend some time trying to overcome their weaknesses. And, uh, uh, you know, trying to understand why they have weaknesses and why do they always run this way in problem, you know, when problems arise and, and maybe they should be running this way. Um, I think I mentioned before, there's a, there's a, a test called a strength finder test and it looks at your personality in a whole bunch of different areas and it kind of describes who you are. And one of the things they do is say, are you an infielder or an outfielder? When you see a problem you know, a fly ball or whatever, when you see a problem, do you run to the problem to attack it? Or do you kind of run away from the problem and see kind of where the problem's going? And, and so we, you, each of us have a natural tendency on that sort of thing. Uh, some of us, no matter what the problem is, we run to it, even if it's a problem that doesn't need to be run to. Like you can put that on the back burner. Uh, and other people, they always, you know, look, look to see where that problem is going and they, you know, they never run to the problem, but sometimes there are problems you have to run to. So part of growing up is learning which problems do you run to and which problems you kind of let, you know, take over or not take over, but kind of just let them sit there for a while because you don't always have to attack every problem as soon as it arises. So, uh, and I'm an outfielder, by the way, I, that's how God created me. I, I, my natural tendency is to just kind of look and see where the problem's going. But I know uh, in my life that there are times when you have to attack a problem head on. Uh, you can't let it wait. You have to, I mean, you basically have to uh, 
you run towards the problem and try to deal with it. Um, and if that's not your natural tendency, then you either have to surround yourself with people that are like that, or you have to work on your own giftedness and see if you can increase your ability to perform in those areas. And that's part of growing up. And that's, that's what we're going to see in Jacob and Esau today, actually, is that um, it's, it's obvious that Jacob is the conniving, cunning, uh, you know, he's got lots of leadership skills, but he's not the hunter-gatherer. He doesn't have the, oh, and, uh, and so Rebecca, for sure, thinks that Jacob should be the leader and not Esau. And so she's arranged this whole thing about Jacob getting the blessing and not Esau. And that's where we kind of left it off yesterday is that um, Rebecca, uh, Rebecca tells Jacob that Esau is going to get the blessing. He's out hunting game. When he comes back, he's going to get the blessing. So she does this ruse to dress up Jacob to look like Esau, cooks a nice meal. Uh, Jacob goes into his father Isaac and gives him the meal. Isaac, whether or not he's in or not on this thing, gives his blessing to his son Jacob, who he thinks is Esau. This is really confusing. So Jacob goes in, but Isaac thinks it's Esau, gives Esau's blessing to Jacob, and now Jacob has the blessing. Now, th this could go in a whole bunch of different ways. At this point, um, well, let's finish, because on yesterday, uh, Esau comes back, gives his father the game, and says, hey, I'm ready for the blessing. He goes, well, who, was, who did I just bless? And Esau said, oh, that's my brother Jacob, that lying, conniving thief. Uh, and he says, well, dad, give me a blessing. And now this is the interesting part because what blessing would Isaac give to his son Esau? I would think that you would give your son an, another blessing, you know, may, and we looked at the blessing. So the blessing of Jacob was blessed in three areas. It was blessed um, that he would have honor, it was blessed that he would be surrounded by, by forces that would, that would curse those who curse and bless those who curse, uh, and that he would be um, innocent because now he's a lord and he, you know, he's now in control of the tribe. And when you're the king or the lord or whatever, you can't be anything but innocent because you control everything. So um, uh, you know, he has honor, he has innocence, and he has power. Uh, and that was the blessing that that. Isaac gave his son Jacob. So you would think, okay, well, Esau's blessing is going to be equally good, but just not as good. Or, you know, what is Esau's blessing? And that's, that's the interesting thing in this whole story. I mean, it really is. I mean, if you think about it, that's like, when we look at this blessing that Isaac gives uh, Esau, you're going to scratch your head and you're going to say, what was that all about? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So let's just look at that because now we can get into this blessing that Isaac gives to Esau. So I'm just going to read in verse 38. It's the bottom of this. So just take a look at it. Um, the very last sentence. Esau said to his father, Do you only have one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. And then Esau wept aloud. And so, I mean, just, just think of the emotion. I mean, he wept. Now think about this. Have you ever known somebody who is a, um, you know, this, this big strapping goes outside, hunts game all day? Uh, I, my, this is my older brother. These people, you know, they don't weep very often. I'm just telling you that. Of course, it could be stoicism. I mean, it could be culturally. But 
Um, usually, if you're the hunter-gatherer, you you are so in control of your body that you can be in control of your you know your emotions, I suppose. Um, and anyway, but the, but this is Esau just weeping aloud. Give me a blessing. Give me a blessing. You can imagine, poor Isaac. What do I do? I gave my bless the blessing I thought I was giving to Esau. I gave to to Jacob, and now is he going to get Jacob's blessing? And was Jacob's blessing modified because now there's a ruse and he knows it's a ruse? Or, I mean, where's this going? Well, let's just take a look at the blessing and see what happened because I, you, this blessing may shock you. So this is verse 39, Genesis. His father Isaac answered him, Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness and away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. I, I don't know what to say. I mean, when he gave the blessing to Jacob, he's like, may the earth produce richness for you. May you have the dew from heaven. May, may you have honor and power and innocence and everything. May the world be opened up to you. It's all yours. I give you everything. May God just bless you with everything that he has. And then he comes here and he says, well, your blessing, will, your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of the heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. Now, serving your brother is, it had to be that way because if the blessing now goes to Jacob and there can only be one number one son that's taking the blessing and basically running now this tribe, there can only be one of them. Uh, and now your brother has it, so you're gonna serve your brother. But he gives this one little hope of promise. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. When you grow restless, you will throw his yoke off your neck. So that is a little bit of a hope or a promise to Esau. So. Um, just, just generally speaking, he's got two boys and together, both boys make up, they're complementary to each other. What Isaac uh, fails to have is the ability to go outside into the wilderness and hunt game and, and enjoy it like Esau does, right? He's not the strapping young Gaston from Beauty and the Beast that, you know, goes out and hunts game and puts it, you know, the heads up all on the wall and that sort of thing. Uh, he's more of an intellectual, stays home in the tent, you know, be part of the community and all that sort of thing. But he could, but Jacob could use some Esau characteristics in his life and Esau could use some Jacob characteristics in his life. I mean, it's like you got Isaac who has all of this and he has two boys and it's like they were split. It's like one part of it went over here and one part of it went over here and together they'd be pretty good together, but only one of them can rule. And so um, it's Jacob that's gonna rule and Esau's now gonna serve his brother. Um, and that's just the way it is. And like I said, I don't know if this is solely Rebecca or if this is Rebecca and Isaac together, because as I look at this blessing, it's not much of a blessing at all. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's, I look at this blessing and I, I would be so disappointed if my father told me these things, that uh, 
you know, I'm going to serve your brother and the earth's not going to produce for me and I'm going to live by the sword and I'll be restless and all that. Um, but it's, it's what it is and it's brutal honesty. I mean, it really is brutal honesty uh, that now that now that Jacob is the firstborn, you're going to serve Jacob. This is kind of how your life's going to go. And um, I think that, so I just want to say this. We each have weaknesses and strengths. And part of life is identifying, I mean, we always go, like, I'll tell you where my strength is, is that any problem that's put in my lap, I immediately go up into my head and I think intellectually, okay, how can I solve this problem? Is there a solution to this problem? And if I do this and if I do this and I this and I, you know, I do permutations, that's just the way I'm wired is I, I do that. Um, which, but that's a... That's a blessing and a curse because all of your strengths are a blessing and a curse, right? The curse is that sometimes the problem, you, there's not enough time to deal with the problem. And so you have to make a decision to just take your best guess. And for a person like me that thinks there's a perfect solution and the idea to, to go in a direction that's not the perfect direction is just rips me up. Um, and so I want to spend a little time trying to find out, you know, is this, is this even the right kind of hemisphere to be going into? Um, but there are times when you don't even have that. There are times when you basically have to go boom, 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 and live and deal with the consequences, whatever they are. Um, and so I've learned over time and I'm still learning, right? Because I'm still, you know, a sinful human being. I'm still trying to discover who I am and how God created me, um, is that, uh, you know, part of understanding is when should I actually not go intellectual, but just go, you know, just run and attack the problem with brute force or, you know, just go with your gut um, and, and those sort of things. And, and that's just part of the journey of life that we all have. Um, because, uh, well, if you go with your gut and it's wrong, now you look weak, you look stupid, and um, you're throwing people in a direction that now you have to change force and, and go in another direction. And people don't like to change. People never like change. I mean, that's one thing head people know is, you know, that's the reason why you kind of go in the right direction because then you don't have to modify it, right? You can, you can go in that direction for a long time and people get comfortable with that direction. But maybe people shouldn't always be comfortable because change is always inevitable. Um, as a matter of fact, um, there was a... Uh, uh, um, person from the 1500s uh, that said this. This is St. Teresa of Avila. She said, let nothing disturb you. Let nothing upset you. Everything changes. God is alone is unchanging. With patience, all things are possible. Whoever has God lacks nothing. God alone is enough. Man, just take that in. Don't let things disturb you. Don't let things upset you. Everything changes. And this is from the 1500s. I mean, we look back in the 1500s and we're like, uh, yeah, nothing changed in the 1500s. Everything changes. Even in the 1500s, the only thing that is unchangeable is God. And with patience, all things are possible. With patience, everything's possible. Whoever has God lacks nothing because God alone is enough. Man, if you, can, if you can live that way in your life, if you can uh, understand what St. Teresa of Avila from you know, the 1550s understood about life, then you are doing very, very well. Um, because 
that truly is the case. Um, the only thing that is unchanging in this world is, is God. Everything else changes. We're in the middle of this pandemic and the world is, is, is never gonna look the same coming out of this. And some of you are frightened by that. And there's no reason to be frightened by that because change is inevitable. And change can be good. I mean, God created us in the Garden of Eden with two commands. The first command was this, to um, be fruitful and multiply. The second command is this, to subdue the earth. And to subdue the earth means that we have to understand the earth. We have to understand that the earth changes, that our lives change, society changes. We grow older, we get more understanding. Um, all that stuff happens and change is always going to happen. And there are people that feel comfortable with change or people that don't feel comfortable with change. But the fact is change is always happening. And uh, part of the thing that we're seeing now is that changes that we knew were coming. We knew we we're going to go to a digital world. Um, it's just happening now a lot quicker than we ever, ever thought it was. And we're going to have to retool and figure out what's the best of the old world and keep those things and what's the best of the new world and grab a hold of them and, and hang on as tight as we can. Because um, I, I look back, you know, the change that I've had in my 50 years, and I think um, that the next 50 years is going to be exponentially even more change than the, than the last 50 years. I mean, for sure. So um, change is inevitable and, and, um, and it's coming at us rapid. Oh my goodness, does it come up as rapid? So rapid, in fact, that I don't think, you know, people who have careers, like, you know, the, the old saying, you know, you, you graduate, you know, and you get your first job and you stay in that career for the rest of your life. That's probably not even true anymore. They're saying now that people have three or four different careers now in their life. They have, well, I mean, look at me. I'm on my second career or my third career. I don't know what I'm on. Um, and I mean, that was unheard of 50 years ago, but now... People have to learn to retool, to pivot on a dime and to say, okay, this one's over, but I'm going to go to that one. But the good news is, is that it's easier to pivot on a dime and switch and move into the next thing. Um, there's training available. There's education available. There's so many resources available to be able to do that. And we are, we are so adaptable as human beings that it's wonderful. I don't know how I got off onto this. I am so sorry because... Um, well, anyway, let's get back to let's get back to Genesis 27. This blessing, though, is just um, you're gonna. It's not much of a blessing, is what I want to say. Uh, it is. I would be if I was if I was Esau. I would be so disappointed in this thing. But um, Esau's got to learn about his weaknesses, and Jacob has to learn about his weaknesses. Um, what happens after this? I mean, how does Esau take this? I mean, how do you think Esau took this? not well and remember he's a guy of the field and likes to kill things right i mean his favorite thing in in life is to go out with his bow and arrow and shoot animals running away from him and now his brother just stole his birthright you don't think he's going to take this sitting down do you um we know exactly what is going through esau's mind and it is not pretty um so let's just i just want to finish this little part of it and we're going to because we want to finish this tomorrow, but let's just look. So that was, so that's the blessing from verse 39 to 40. Now let's see what happens. Um, if I can get to the next, here we go. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. 
And he said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are near, and then I will kill my brother Jacob. So he's not going to kill him right now. He's going to mourn for his father because that's what he does. But then when the father's mourned, when that's all done, uh, Jacob, you're, you're toast. You better, you better figure this one out. Um, now verse 42, when Rebecca was told what her older son Esau had said, so this is obviously he's saying this to his friends, right? She sent for her younger son Jacob and she said to him, your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. This is Uncle Laban. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. And when your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back from there. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm disgusted with living because of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from among the women of this land, from Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. So, um, and that's the end of chapter 27. So basically now Rebekah has told Jacob, listen, don't stay here. Just go to Uncle Laban for a little bit, my brother. He's going to teach you things that your father never taught you. I, you know, Isaac um, should have helped you, but now you're going to go work for Laban, and you're going to you're going to learn some things from him. You know, he's going to help you compensate from some, for some of your weaknesses. <clears throat> so go and do this. Be a part of Laban's tribe for a while. And while you're there, why don't you get a wife? Because the wives, you know, in that tribe are very beautiful. I'm from this, you know, area. I'm very beautiful. Um, so go find a wife, go grow up a little bit in areas that you need to grow up. And when you, when you finish that, um, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna come back. And, um, so Rebecca puts this whole thing on. Now, the one thing I want to tell you is that Isaac does not come back for a long time. As a matter of fact, uh, this is the last time that Rebecca sees her son, Jacob, uh, Jacob, Jacob doesn't come back for a long time. Uh, she hatches this plan, puts him to be king and all that, sends him to Uncle Laban. She's thinking of maybe a week or two or, you know, six months. It's like this coronavirus. How much longer can it go, right? But it lasts so long that she never sees her son Jacob again. And while Jacob is with Uncle Laban, he does grow up. He learns, he learns things that he would have never learned if he had stayed at home. Uh, Esau now because Jacob is gone, is going to learn things that he never had to learn when Jacob was there. By splitting apart these two boys and letting them grow apart individually. Remember, they're twins. Have you ever known twins? I mean, twins, they're, they're interconnected with each other. One twin affects the other twin. I mean, it's a strange relationship, twins. Um, but when they, uh, when they go apart and they're no longer able to um, to have that twin with them. They have to grow in, in ways that they've never had to grow before. And now Jacob and Esau are being split apart. Esau is staying with the Isaac tribe. Uh, Jacob is going with the Labanite tribe, I guess you could say, Uncle Laban. And um, they're both going to grow from this. Uh, and it's good growth for both of them because sometimes you have to make a change, a dramatic change in your life to grow in areas that you need to grow in. And that's, maybe that was Rebecca's plan all along. Maybe she kind of knew that she'd never see her son Jacob again. I don't think she did. 
Because she said, just go and stay with him for a while until your brother, you know, cools off and then you can come back. But what she didn't realize is that Laban's going to love having Jacob as uh, a slave practically, you know, and then um, of course he'll probably fall in love and uh, well, we'll see. You're going to have to, we'll have to get into that part of the story. But um, this is, this is what happens in life. There's always unintended consequences to the decisions we make and Rebecca's unintended consequence is that the son that she loves, that she set up to be now in charge of this tribe, she never sees him again. And that's, that's unfortunate. Um, but maybe it's fortunate. I mean, he's going to have to grow. He's going to have to grow into a man without his mom being there. Uh, and that's, that's part of growing up too. So, um, I think, I think we'll leave this blessing and curse in this part of the story because the next part of the story, um, is really, really interesting. And, um, and uh, I think I kind of said what I wanted to say is that there are times when we have to embrace change and do things that are uncomfortable for us because it helps us grow in areas that we need to grow in. And God continue. I don't know, I don't care what age you are or what life experiences you have, there are times in life when God is forcing you to deal with things that are change that are going to help that you can either lean into God with the change and grow from it and your roots get stronger and you learn more about yourself because of the things that are going world, or you can retreat and, uh, and not in, you know, not engage with the train, you know, with the change and, and let it fester and be angry and bitter and all that sort of thing, uh, and not lean into God. And, um, I mean, it's what she said, this, uh, uh, Avila, right? Um, Change is inevitable. What did she say? Did I put that away? I guess I did, yeah. So, yeah. What she said is that let nothing disturb you. Let nothing upset you. Everything changes. God alone is unchanging. With patience, all things are possible. Whoever has God lacks nothing. God alone is enough. Let's pray. Dear God, you alone are enough in the midst of, of radical change and, and of things that, that help us grow, help us to lean into you so that our growth is perfected by you. Um, thank you for this time together, and uh, until we meet again, keep us in your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.